Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Mark Santum. Well, good morning. We, uh, as we prepare to talk about hope this morning, I would like to take a moment to quickly uh, acknowledge and celebrate some of the most amazing people in this church, the Crossfire volunteers who give me and the students hope just about every week. I think we have a picture of them. Last time we were all together for a photograph for the Christmas party. All right, and let me, uh, I would love to say a gazillion things about them, but I will at least read their names. Uh, Skylar Batten, she is the one, you, you don't recognize her, she's Mr. Heat Miser in that picture. <laughs> Colleen Tidwell, who is not here today, she's out camping with her family. Uh, Casey Doherty, Kelly Florence, Ashley Stickley, Kim Bond, Trisha Vera, Mindy Skipper, Ruben Vera with the beard. Um, by the way, that is Casey, is uh, Mrs. Mr. Coldmiser. And uh, Ben Stickley and Jonathan Zook. Can we give these guys a huge round of applause? Well, the guys that you don't get to see behind the scenes and uh, get to see students that work behind the scenes, um, you know, even back up there, um, you know, running AV, we have a lot of students, including Lydia uh, Keller and Jonathan Walter. Uh, so we just uh, thank you that on you Sunday isn't the only day of the year when uh, the students, when the young people are helping out. I just thank you. I'm very grateful that they've been folded into the entire life of this church. So they're not a little part of the body that is just skirted off to meet on Sunday nights. But I'm very grateful to be part of a church where we receive them and use their gifts and talents year round. Um, let me uh, tell a story. Uh, you might have heard this before. So the challenge for me is remembering how I told it last time because it's a true story. So uh, it, was, it was an infamous day when my son Ethan was in first grade. And uh, so the teachers in, invited parents to come in and kind of speak on career day, right? So you get to have all the first graders and you get to, you know, inspire them, the hopes and dreams. What do you want to be when you grow up? So, you know, I get them, they're all there. You know, first graders are great, full of uh, eagerness. And so I want, to, I want them to dream big. I want them, I want them to like, hey, the sky's the limit, guys. Just tell me what you want to do. So, you know, you start off and of course the little kid in the back right-hand corner, he raises his hand. He goes right, he goes right for you. He goes, I want to be Captain America. I'm like, well, you know what? That's great. Because as Jerry Seinfeld says, when you're a little kid, superheroes, they're not fantasies. Those are career options, right? <laughs> Like, you be the best Captain America in all of America, bro. Just go for it. So, you know, a little more uh, grounded to the earth. You know, a, a girl in the other corner says that she wants to be a nurse. I'm like, you know what? You go for it, girl. The sky is the limit. Don't just be the best nurse in the hospital. Be the best nurse in the entire Sentara network. You go. Sky's the limit. So everyone's getting excited. You know, another kid's like, hey, I want to be a state senator. I'm like, are you sure about that? What? <laughs> But you, you, like, the sky's the limit, bro. You drain every swamp from the Great Dismal Swamp to Richmond, right? You just, you do what you need to do. Sky's the limit. Dream big. And so, uh, so we're all having a good time. And then there was Tony. Tony's right in front. And Tony raises his hand. He goes, he goes, Mr. Santum, he's like, you know what I want to be? I was like, Tony, what do you want to be? He's like, I want to be an astronaut. I was like, oh, Tony, didn't you listen to anything I said? I said, the sky is the limit. <laughs> Tony. Come on, why don't you just be a crop duster or something? <laughs> Shoot, these kids these days. So Ethan, at the end of the day, is like, Dad, you were an official extinguisher of hope, which you. 
And I hate to say this, I do have to clarify, just given the nature of myself, that really didn't happen. So, because some of you are thinking, yeah, Mark would do that. <laughs> so that, uh, it just works better in the first person, so. But we do live in a world that uh, specializes in extinguishing hope, am I right? There was a, a man by the name of B.H. Liddell Hart. He was a British soldier in World War I and a World War II historian. He once said this, and it's very fitting given that it's Memorial Day weekend. He said, history attests that the loss, not so much of life that decides the issue of war, but rather the loss of hope. So we just notice that in the nature of war, whenever, whenever a nation or a group of people, when they lose hope, that is the end. Not that the, the loss of life is, because uh, it does figure into that, but the loss of hope is usually the deciding factor. And, uh, and today, because I know maybe some of you have served, some of you have served during wartime, but even if you haven't, um, this translates because life does feel like a war, doesn't it? It feels like a series of battles that endeavor to steal our hope. So hope is often extinguished, you know, when it comes down to the nitty gritty in the faces of a, of a difficult marriage, uh, the loss of a job, the failure to get a job, uh, to get kicked out of school, the failure to get into a school that you want, uh, facing a serious injury or a terminal illness. All these things um, are true extinguishers of hope. And even when somebody is graduating from high school, right, or college, and they got to face this big, scary world that looks right at you and says, I dare you to make it, all right? They will try to steal your hope. Well, despite it being you Sunday, we did want to continue our one-word series. As you can imagine, uh, a word for today is hope. Keeping in mind, too, we have some of our elementary school students with us today, so we're going to uh, maybe make this sermon a little more relevant to you as well. So um, let's answer just a real basic question first. What is hope? So when you, when you look biblically and um, it's the meaning of the word, it's really simple. You don't have to dig too deeply. It's a desire or an expectation for a certain something to happen. In short, it is what we hold on to, like a life preserver. All right? So think right now, what are some of the hopes that you have in life? What are you holding on to? that is kind of keeping you afloat. That, my friends, is hope. We'll unpack that a little bit. So uh, today we're just gonna, we don't have a, a whole lot of time, so we're just gonna touch on four things that hope can be. Now there's a lot more in scripture, we're gonna touch on four today. And I, one of your goals here as you leave is that if anyone uh, leaves a sanctuary day, you'll be able to say, hey, what, what were the four things about hope today? And you should be able to remember them, okay? Kids, I know it's like a pop quiz. The first one is this. Hope is eternal. Everyone say eternal. eternal. Our hope is in a God-given life that was promised in eternity past and lasts into eternity future, which is, that's the kind of hope, because remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15? If we are, if, if only in this life we have hope, we are to be pitied, what? Above all men. So we just praise God that life is eternal. Uh, here's a verse on the screen. Titus, Paul writes this letter to Titus, right off the bat says this, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God thought off the cuff? No, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. That is, speaks of the eternality 
of God's hope. And his hope and faith and love, they all go together, and we'll see that in this sermon. One of my favorite quotes is by a Dutch man named Gerharden Voss, who's often considered the father of Reformed biblical theology. He said, the best proof that God will never cease to love us lies in the fact that he never began to. Jeremiah 31.3, that God has, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. That kind of love and hope, the fact that it wasn't just a response to the fall of man, like, oh, oh, they fell, I, I better come up with something way before that, before you and I were ever on the scene. God's hope, God's eternal love was already set in place. This hope of eternal life was foreshadowed thousands of years before hope came to earth in the form of a little baby in a Bethlehem manger. Uh, it was foreshadowed, promised in Genesis 3.15. God promised after the fall of man, Adam and Eve are at the, at the precipice of hopelessness facing east of Eden where God said, get out, you have lost the privileges. So in the face of all hopelessness, God promised, too, that there would be long-standing blood feud between people and people, people and Satan, and Satan and Jesus. But the beautiful promise that Satan would bruise the heel of Jesus one day in the crucifixion, but Christ will deliver a death blow to Satan at the resurrection. He says, I, he will bruise your heel, but you will boom, stomp his head. That's what, have you ever seen the Passion of the Christ? I love that scene. Remember the snake comes up and Jesus just like gives him one of those? Oh, gives me chills. I love it. The hope of eternal life is brought to you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Not a dead one, not a temporary one, one that keeps on going. Through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he is risen, every Sunday, Easter Sunday for us, because he is risen, we have hope. Amen? That is the foundation, the eternal love and the resurrection of Jesus on which all hope can be built. So that's the first thing. Hope is what? Eternal. Second one, hope is buoyant. There's a fun word. Here's the deal. In 2006, a Spanish woman by the name of Maria del Carmen Busada de Lara. How about that? Put that on a name tag. She gave birth to twins at the tender young age of 66. Look it up. Look it up. As you might imagine, uh, in vitro fertilization helped the cause, all right, of this wonderful woman. But this should remind you of a real story, another story back in Genesis 17 when Abraham and Sarah, God promised they would bear a son named Isaac. But they were really old. And they're like, yeah, right. Tell me something I can believe in here. And they had no hope. Uh, they didn't have 21st century technology. So uh, we have up on the screen, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 4. He said, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed so that be, so that um, so he became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be, be. Be, excuse me. Weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what He had promised. 
So you see, we saw where in the first example where hope and love come together. This is a beautiful passage where hope and faith come together. We, can, we could say theologically, biblically, that hope is the soil in which faith is planted, right? You have to hope something before you go after it, right? So once you have that hope, all right, because if it's just hope, uh, hope doesn't automatically have you to attain it, does it? But once you have hope, that's the fertile soil that faith can grow and, um, and, and, and grow for the glory of God. So here's the deal. This is a, a cart that um, I was going to just show a little example, especially for the kids, but you know the adults. You may, uh, you may get something out of this too. So let me, cart, let me cart this right over here. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take off my jacket for this. Oh, look, I have a T-shirt that says hope. All right, there we go. <laughs> Keep calm, guys, and hope on. Let me just put this right down here. So here's the deal with hope. Um, when Abraham and Sarah, when they were told that they were going to have a child, right, their hope uh, was probably like this, a little deflated. Um, they knew that uh, they looked at past experience, common sense, and hopelessness. And they knew that unless God promises, unless God promises men something, their hope was going to sink to the bottom uh, of, of, their, uh, of their soul because it's something they wanted so badly. So a lot of you aren't I'm guessing here that probably a lot of you that are closing on, on 100 aren't hoping to have children. So if you are, come up for a prayer afterwards. <laughs> the elders bring all the oil you got. <laughs> but, but it represented an impossible circumstance, and a lot of us do have impossible, what we believe or we feel we perceive to be possible circumstances in our lives. So, and I'm sure Abraham and Sarah, they were probably guarding their hearts against false hope. We know that it says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart what? Sick. All right. Sick. How many of you, just to be honest, how many of you have ever hoped for something that wasn't of the Lord and it made your heart sick? Let me see your hands. That's a horrible situation, isn't it? But it's true. What can happen is out of our own brokenness, impulsiveness, um, ignorance, we can, we can hope in things that God never intended us for to hope in. So... But the biblical promises of God, they are like, they are like the air in this pump, right? Every time God speaks, huh? Are we getting that on the recording right here? So I'll do it a little faster. So every time God speaks his words, through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through his community, maybe through um, godly counsel, hope actually becomes buoyant, all right? So kids, here's the deal. So listen, this is hope. The promises of God are the air that makes hope real, right? Makes it float. And so let's just say my hand in this water is like life, you know, wanting to drown your hopes. And so life comes along just as this, like, yeah, I dare you to hope in that. I dare you, you know? You're drowning, you're losing breath yet, but because of the faithfulness of the promises of God, Hope always floats. Amen? There we go. Apologize to Will for me. So now, kids, uh, you know, even if, uh, like, okay, that's a ridiculous, uh, you know, easy, um, low-hanging fruit kind of uh, illustration. Some of, you might, some of you might need that because some of you feel like your hope is like a stone on the bottom of this tank. But hope floats because God's promises make it. And it's not just 
the promises of God's word because it is, but uh, the promises that are enlivened by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit and the Word giving true God-birthed hope, that's the kind of stuff we can hang on to. That's the kind of stuff that flows. That's what you can put your faith, hope, and love that You can rest everything on that. Amen. So what are some of these promises? Like when you think of the air going into that, into the ball of hope, these are, I mean, there are so many promises. Here's a few. Isaiah 41, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, is that a promise or what? Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Luke 11, ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. For whoever asks and seeks and knocks, it will be, the door will be opened. It will be given to you. You will find it. These are amazing promises in Scripture. Do you know how many promises are in the Bible altogether? Now, depending on how you count them, but we'll just round, we'll just give you a round number. There are over 3,000 promises in this book. 3,000. Now, some of them you have to read carefully. Some of them are made just to an individual or to a group of people for a certain time and place. So you can't be going in and, and something that is promised uh, to Abraham this one time, like, well, I can be the father of many nations. Like, no, no, you can't. That was for Abraham, all right? <laughs> So uh, you have to do due diligence in the study of the word, but there, most of the promises here, they are for the people of God. And there are thousands from which to choose and may the Holy Spirit breathe on the ones that you need the most in your life. Amen. So, and what I love, it says in Romans 15:4 about the word of God, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope that we might have hope, that we might have hope. Ah, well, let me move this out of the way because we are about to go on to uh, point number three, and we are going to get a little help from our skit team here. Number three, hope is anchored. Everyone say anchored. What I love about this hope is that it is anchored in the truth of God's word and the loving work of Jesus Christ. It is not untethered to reality. I could actually show you that more, but why don't we actually get a demonstration on how hope is anchored in the reality of God's Word and the truth of Christ. Test. Good evening, I'm Karen Kowalski and uh, reporting live from Riverbend High School where I have the unusual privilege of speaking to the Vickers triplets, all of whom <laughs> are graduating high school next week and have high hopes for their future. This is Lynette Vickers, Ethan Vickers, and Amanda Vickers. How are you three doing today? <laughs> Lynette, let's start with you. What are your big hopes for after graduation? Well, let me tell you, Karen. Starting this fall, I plan on attending UCLA. Oh, that's amazing. Let's give her a hand clap. That's amazing. Very good. When did you get accepted? Oh, I haven't been accepted yet. Are you on the waiting list? Nope. Actually, I haven't even applied yet. 
Oh, excuse me? Uh, did you just tell me that you haven't even applied for admission yet? Nope, but don't worry. It's the second thing on my waiting list after I figure out who my roommates are gonna be. <laughs> Duh, obviously. Um, well, Lynette, that's quite an ambitious game plan you have there. Big hopes indeed. Uh, let's move on to Ethan. Ethan, what are your big post-high school hopes? Actually, Karen, I have big hopes. I'm going to the Navy. Hooah. Yep, I'm gonna be a Navy pilot. Whoa, that's amazing. I understand that you have to have a bachelor's degree first, so where are you heading for college? UVA, Virginia Tech, Naval Academy? Actually, Karen, I don't plan on going to college. I think my big hopes can be accomplished in other ways. But you are aware that a college degree is a prerequisite for being a Navy pilot, right? Psh, that's what they say. Here, here's what, I, here's what I think. I've watched Top Gun over 40 times. I've learned so much from that Tom Cruise. I think you guys can just call me Maverick. Okay, Maverick. Well, your hopes are certainly high, aren't they? Let's move on to the last triplet. Uh, tell us about your high hopes. Well, Karen, I'm going to own my own Panera restaurant, and I don't need a college degree for that. Well, thank goodness for that, because I'm guessing you, like your siblings, haven't applied to any colleges yet. But I'm guessing you work at Panera now as a cashier or a bagel baker? Nope. <laughs> they did offer me a cashier position, but Karen, my hopes are bigger than that. I'm holding out for a management position. I'll start there, and then after a few months, I'll work my way up to store owner by the time I'm 19. But don't you think it's a good idea to start small and work your way up from there? Silly Karen, that's not how hope works. <laughs> well, with all due respect to the three of you adorable kids, your post-graduation hopes seem to be a little out there. <laughs> To you, Karen, you don't know what you're talking about. Hashtag fake news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, any high hope. Well, um, all I here it is. Well, yeah, well, any hopes that you might have for free. <laughs> well, any hopes that you have for free coffee and bagels at my Panera is currently evaporating, much like this interview. <laughs> yeah, and I'll have you know that the Top Gun sequel is coming out this summer, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm out of time, and these triplets are out of their minds! Back to you, Bill. Thanks for Local 7 News. <laughs> All right, well, did you uh, get the point of that sermon? Uh, there's very little of this. Um, the fact, too, that, uh, you know, we can look at it in a comedic way, but the fact, too, uh, is how many of you are grateful that the promises of the gospel, that the hope of the gospel isn't some like the world thinks, some fairy tale in the sky. It's not a pie in the sky dream where it's like, I'm gonna, my retirement plan is to win the lottery, that kind of an outlook. 
It's not a cross your fingers and wish for the best kind of thing. It's not a delusion of grandeur that's totally unfounded. I mean, we're talking about anchored to the truth of God's word and the truth of his character. I'm not talking about a little wimpy anchor. Do you know that some of those anchors that had the, the, the big cruise ships, the military ships, those anchors alone can weigh 60,000 pounds. And some anchors, they can hold up to 200 times the weight of the anchor. Now try to budge that. You, you can't even perceive of budging an anchor like that. How much more the promises of the hope of God. The same hope that today Iranian, Chinese, Nigerian Christians are holding on to with all that they got, with all that they have, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength because of uh, the world that's around them is trying to extinguish every last bit of hope that they have. Um, do you know what? A, a few years ago, there was a man by the name of Richard Capelli, I think we have a picture here, uh, who, who was on the show American Inventor. And uh, if you guys have ever seen that show where they say, hey, here's my invention, then the, then the judges will come and they'll tell you if they want to invest in your invention or not. So his invention was something called My Therapy Buddy. I think we have a picture of it here. And if you don't see a picture, maybe your life will be better because it is extraordinarily creepy. So My Therapy Buddy, it's a, it's a, it's a blue kind of faceless doll that, uh, that he has, there it is. And everything, uh, he has a shirt that says, everything is going to be all right. So whenever you can take his arms, you can put them around your neck and you can squeeze his little Buddha belly there and he'll say, don't worry, everything's gonna be all right. So anyhow, he goes, he goes in, in, um, in, in uh, pitches this to the crew and the one lie that I, one of the judges says this, he says, listen here, Richard. He said, if I am a person that needs to have hope and I need to know that everything is going to be all right. If I have to rely upon that creepy doll to tell me everything's going to be all right, everything is not going to be all right. <laughs> so anyhow, I think you can still get it, but the, the inventors, they didn't invest in him. But uh, so my point is that the, the gospel, the promises of God, the hope of the gospel is not, let's just hope that everything is going to be all right. Some super sappy thing that isn't grounded or anchored in anything. Amen. Rather, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus's blood and righteousness. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, we have this verse. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever. I tell you what, when Jesus goes before you and represents you to God, you have all kind of reason to hope. Amen. And I, what I love about the fact that hope, because it can be a little paradoxical, the fact that hope can both be buoyant and can be anchored. They're both true at the same time. I love how hope both floats and keeps our hearts from drowning, but I also love that it also keeps us anchored at the bottom of rough seas so we don't go crashing into any rocks. And finally, number four, hope is shareable. Everybody say shareable. shareable. I didn't say terrible, I said shareable. So right here, um, these are some Tootsie Rolls, and a couple of them were given to me by our very own Gary Howell. Where's Gary, is Gary in here? He's, he's he not here today? But how many of you have ever received a Tootsie Roll from Gary Howe? So he, when the last time he gave these, he goes, here, just take a bunch and share them. Because when that, I perceive when Gary goes into the store and sees a bunch of Tootsie Rolls, first thing he thinks of is, I'm going to buy these, but they are not mine. 
These are for other people. When he gave these to me, I was like, I can't eat these because he told me to share them, right? So hold on to that. Um, the context of living in a world full of people that are hostile toward the gospel, Peter writes this in 1 Peter 3, and it is so applicable to us today in our current cultural context. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the what? The hope that you have, and do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. It's a, it's a great passage there. So guess how many people who don't know Jesus will be inspired to get to know your Jesus if you walk around hopeless yourself? Can you imagine that? So, um, Steve, I notice that you walk around, you're kind of the biggest pessimist I know. You're always moping and whining and complaining full of fear. Tell me about this Jesus. <laughs> I'm intrigued. If we're not walking in hope ourselves, how's anybody going to want that? And worse yet, um, what if you have the hope but you decide to keep it all to yourself? What if you're like the anti-Gary Howe and you buy all of these and, and have a whole stack of them? Everyone walks by like, nope, no, I'm sorry. These are for me. I just have them out to make your life miserable. So the point is, you, we have to experience God's hope ourselves for others to want it. And if we have hope, we have to be willing to share it. Hope is shareable. Everyone say, hope is shareable. When was the last time that you decided that you wanted to share hope with someone, the hope of Christ, the hope of the gospel with someone? And don't let fear or embarrassment or indifference get the best of you. Well, and I hope that we can do this both on an individual level. May God show you people in your life that you can share hope with. Your family, people in your neighborhood, who can we share the hope of the gospel with? As a church, as we look to uh, share from KPC at Union Mission, at County View, short-term mission trips, the food pantry, any outreach event we do, we are sharing hope, an eternal hope, a buoyant hope, an anchored hope, and a shareable hope. Amen? All right, so let's all repeat it one more time. This will solidify it, and we will never forget it for the end of time. All right, hope is these four things. Hope is eternal, buoyant, anchored, and shareable. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for a time that we can just explore this glorious gospel hope that you've given us. We thank you that your hope is eternal. It's not a temporary fleeting thing, but it was planned from eternity past, and we will live in the glory of it with you uh, in all of eternity future. We thank you that hope is buoyant, that it stays afloat, even when life and the enemy tries to push us down and drown it. It always comes back because of your promises and you are faithful. We thank you that, uh, that hope is anchored. Thank you, Lord, that our, that our faith is not as the world sees it, just some fairy tale that, that we clutch onto. Um, and it has no meanings, no historical or spiritual significance in real life. We thank you that it's the furthest thing from the truth. We thank you that our hope is tethered to the rock of Christ. We thank you that our hope is shareable. Lord, not to be hoarded, not to be embarrassed of, but God, help us to be ready to give account for the reason, the hope that we have to anybody that asks as we share our lives with them. God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for the great hope in Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.